Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Good morning, everyone. Okay, that was rubbish. I'm going back over here. Good morning, everyone. Hi there. Hi, thanks, Tina. Just as we were worshipping earlier, I had um, a picture, a very simple picture of um, making a sandcastle in the sand. And this sandcastle that I saw in my mind's eye was incredibly beautiful. It was kind of one of those really ornate ones, maybe that dads do, you know, with all the turrets, the little flag. And then I just saw somebody walking right into it, right through it and destroying it. And I felt as though for some people here this morning, you've built a sandcastle recently. You've you've done something that you're really proud of or you've done something that you really hoped others would notice. And what's happened is it's been walked through. And so this morning as I speak, I really want you to hold on to the picture that I had after that, which was this beautiful sense of, of God allowing the sea to kind of wash over not only the sandcastle, but also the person who trodden on it. That the power of that is gone in the name of Jesus. So I know that will speak to a couple of you today. In 1970, Dave and John Kunst, who are two American brothers, set out to become the first people to walk around the world. And with their mule, who they hilariously called Willie Make It, I know, brilliant, couldn't write it. Unfortunately, he didn't. It was a bit of a sad, bit of a sad beginning for me all. Uh, The two brothers were sadly ambushed by bandits in Afghanistan in uh, 1972, and John was actually shot and killed. And it took the other guy, Dave, four months to recover. And during that four months, he decided he was going to start again. So with the help of the American embassy, they found the exact spot where his brother was killed. And with his other brother, Pete... He started again, and then they continued to walk around the world. And they covered 14,450 miles, and they eventually ended their journey in 1974, back where they'd started in the US. So four years of his life, an approximation of 20 million steps, 21 pairs of shoes, quite a big deal. One of the most dangerous legs of that journey was through Pakistan, And there's a notorious park called the Khyber Pass. I've personally never been there, but apparently it's quite dangerous. And nobody had, as a white man, gone through this area since Alexander the Great. But the brothers managed to do that because they got permission from a Pakistani prince who not only gave them permission, but he agreed to walk with them. Now, you might not be on such an epic journey as that this morning, but each of us is going somewhere. You might feel today that your resources are a bit thinner than you'd like them to be. Or maybe you feel low on supplies or energy. Maybe someone you loved is no longer by your side. And if you feel like that, well, today's a brilliant message for you. You see, even when we're in seasons like those Kyber Pass seasons and life keeps throwing stuff at us, there is a prince. In fact, there is a king who walks with us. Isn't that just beautiful? 
That there is somebody who not only says, I give you permission to go where you're going, but he says, I am with you when you go where you're going. The beauty of his presence and his protection. So that's what I'm going to be talking about today. I'm just going to invite John up, who's going to read to us from our um, Bible passage today, which is Exodus chapter 3 and the first 10 verses. Ladies and gentlemen, Hancock John. Could have done better than that. Uh, Okay, here we go. Exodus 3, uh, verses 1 to 10. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are repressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Thank you, John. So where was Moses here? Well, those of you in my grow group know that I'm obsessed with place names and people's names. I'm always asking, what does it mean? What does it mean? And so the, the name Midian means judgment, covering, and habit. You see, I think that God had to take Moses somewhere where he changed his habits of thinking. God had to take Moses somewhere where he realized who was covering him. And God had to take somewhere Moses somewhere where he looked at the judgments he was making about other people. So why do we need that covering of God? Well, for me, there are three V's of the uncovered person. Okay, the first one is being vulnerable. We're vulnerable to attack if we're not covered by God. And last week, those of you who were here would have heard the story of Moses killing um, the Egyptian slave driver. He became incredibly vulnerable after that, didn't he? Because he hadn't done the right thing. Secondly, the second V is we're visible in the wrong way. We're visible to the enemy. And I think Moses, bless him, stood out like a sore thumb. He wasn't Hebrew enough to be Hebrew. He wasn't Egyptian enough to be Egyptian. In fact, he was a misfit. And the third V that we can be as uncovered people is we can be vague. We can be unsure about where we're going or what we're doing. 
And I think that whilst Moses must have been told by his mum, Jochebed, that he was a rescuer, and he must have been told by Tut Moses, who was his grandfather, the Pharaoh, and he must have been told by the Egyptian family that he was adopted into that he was a, an important person and a delivered person, I think he may have forgotten that. I think he may have thought he'd missed his boat. I think he may have thought that he'd messed it up. God doesn't want us to be vulnerable and visible to the enemy and vague. Because despite the craziness of the world that we live in, and every time you turn on the news, you can get that feeling, can't you, of, oh my goodness, what is going on? Despite that, as the people of God, we can live with unshakable confidence. Because our Father's protection doesn't change. And I want to counter that with a bit of deeper theology. Because some people think that when you become a Christian, bad stuff doesn't happen to you. It's not my experience. And it's not the experience of so many people in the Bible either, is it? In fact, Jesus is very clear in John 16. He says this, in the world, you will have, what do you remember? Trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. We're not very good at quoting that promise to each other, are we? We're dead good at the kind of no weapon formed against you can't prosper. You know, we do all that kind of thing. And, and when people need prayer, we're like, yes, in the name of Jesus, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And we say the next bit of that John 16 bit, which is, you know, take heart. I have overcome the world. But we don't actually say to each other, in this world, you will have trouble. And so what happens when we have trouble is we think, well, maybe I'm not holy enough. You know, maybe, maybe I'm not a good mum. Maybe I'm not a good wife. Maybe I'm not a good leader. Maybe it's because I missed week three of the Alpha course. And we say, what have I done to deserve this God? Don't we? And then we start to say, well, what kind of God are you? But actually we've been promised trouble. So if we prepare for trouble stuff looks a bit different. You see, even the most devoted Christian in the world is going to go through hardship. But God isn't thwarted by that, is he? One of the most beautiful verses for me in the Bible is in Psalm 91 verse 4. And it says this, he shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. You see, when we understand and really connect with God's covering, we don't have to fear problems in life. We don't have to question them. We don't have to run from them. I don't know whether you saw any of the kind of martial arts, judo kind of stuff in the Olympics, but I'm no martial arts expert. I know that'll come as a surprise to you. But I do know that before they fight, they have a certain stance. They're not checking their watches. They're not kind of, you know, warming up the shoulders a little bit. They are fully ready. There is a stance that we need as Christians that says, I know trouble is coming and it is not going to knock me over. Okay? So for some of us today, we're wondering why we get knocked over when the slightest breath of wind happens to us. It's because we're not standing well. Okay? Sometimes, actually, we're kind of running at the enemy or we're running away from the enemy. And God is saying, just stand, but stand well. Do you think Moses felt ready for what God had for him in this passage? I don't think so. Not at this time in the story. And we see him here, it's 40 years on. 
from the murder. And he's minding his own business, looking after his father-in-law's sheep. He's married to a woman called Zipporah. I looked up her name. It means grief and mourning. Yay! Okay, they have a son called Gershom, and his name means I don't fit in. Okay, imagine that as first day at primary school. Hello, son, what's your name? I don't fit in. I really don't fit in. Wow, that's issues, isn't it? Before the son's even got into day two. He led his flock towards Horeb. And Horeb means dried up, in ruins, laid waste. I reckon that's a little bit how Moses feels right now. His life isn't exactly what had been promised. He's looking after someone else's sheep in a desert. He doesn't even own a sheep. That's pretty rubbish for a guy at that time. Horeb is a significant place in the Bible. We know from a little bit later in Exodus that that's where God rocks up and gives him the Ten Commandments. It's also the place where Elijah is in the cave and God speaks to him in the still small voice. So he's on holy ground here, but he doesn't know it yet, does he? And he comes forward and he sees this bush on fire. Now, I've been a Christian since I was four. I've probably been taught this story probably at least once or twice a year. And you get a little bit samey with stuff, don't you? But I had to reimagine this. And I want you to reimagine it with me. It's not uncommon for a plant in the desert to spontaneously ignite. But it is uncommon for it to chat to you. Okay? Just imagine you go into a botanical garden somewhere or you walk into a desert, you happen to see a bush and it has a little word with you. Not only that, it calls you by your name. A little bit weird? Yes. There are three things I want to pull out of the, the, the bush, really. Number one, it's a thorn bush. Number two, it's not burning away. And number three, it speaks. Now, my dad's a gardener. I'm sure he chats to his plants, but they never talk back. This is an unusual thing. And for me, there are three things here. There's a symbol. There's the sign. There's the sound. Number one, the symbol. This is so important for us to understand. I don't think Moses understood this, by the way. But this is important for us today. It's very significant that the bush was a thorn bush. Why? Because in Eden, there were no thorns. It was only after the fall, only when sin came into the world, only when Adam and Eve decided to go their way, that thorns came in. And that symbol of sin is, of course, the thing that Jesus had to wear on the cross. So can you see that already God is saying something about the state of the world, choosing to come in the middle of the thorns? Secondly, there's a sign here. The fact that this fire burns without destroying. You know, God is so hot, but he doesn't destroy there's something so precious and beautiful about his purity. And then we have the sound. And it's the booming voice that Revelation describes as like rushing waters. And it knows Moses' name. In fact, it says it twice. And in scripture, when we get Moses, Moses, or Abraham, Abraham, or Noah, Noah, it's when God is really trying to get someone's attention. So Moses goes nearer to look. But God doesn't speak to Moses 
until he actually turns aside. For many of us, we might moan to our grow groups or we might moan to our husbands and say, God's not talking to me right now. It's gone really quiet. And we might say that to our friends. And for me, as I was reading this, I felt God really say to me, Ems, how much are you turning to me? Not just glimpsing me from a distance, but physically turning and walking away from other stuff. Moses then says, sorry, God then says to Moses two things. He says, don't come any closer and take off your shoes. So stopping still and removing something used to protect him was a vulnerable thing for Moses to do. Remember, he's in charge of all these sheep. Don't know what they're doing at the moment. And suddenly God's saying, don't come any closer, take off your shoes. If you take off your shoes in a desert, guess what? Your feet get hot. If you take off your shoes in the desert, you're not protected from the hot sand. You're not protected from scorpions or snakes. See, God is trying to teach Moses in this place of covering that he is his covering. He is the protection. And I'm excited about that crazy protection that God gives us because it means we can do daring and audacious and sometimes bonkers things for him and not be scared. So what does it mean to be confident in God's covering and what does that look like? Well, for me, it's a few things. I think our covering is elastic. See, Moses was under the covering of God without really knowing it or feeling it. He'd been rescued, we know that. He'd been brought up in a palace. And even when he runs away, he runs into a God-man. So he runs to, into Jethro, who happens to be a priest. See, he hadn't left his protection behind in Egypt. It had come with him. Often when we think we run away from God, God stays where we left him. But the truth is God is so much bigger than that, isn't he? Our protection goes with us. It stretches. And God has come to find Moses in this place where he's at. The Bible says that when we're still far off, God meets us. Romans 5.8 says, but God proves his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You might think that you've left God somewhere in your past. But guess what? He's in your present right now. Secondly, our covering is God-given. When our children were little, we used to play hide and seek a lot. And when they were really tiny, they used to think that if they hid their eyes, we couldn't see them. Do you know that? When a little kid goes, you can't see me. And you're like, I absolutely can. But you used to pretend that you couldn't, didn't you? So you're like, oh, where's Ben gone? Where's he gone? And you kind of walk into another room and he's like, and they giggle really loudly. And they say, here I am, as if we didn't know. Moses' first response when he hears the voice of God is to cover his eyes. And that's a natural reaction, isn't it, when we're afraid? to cover ourselves. But I think this whole passage is actually about how God kind of looks at that and says, you can't cover yourself. You can't protect yourself either from me or from anyone else. That's my job. 
Thirdly, our covering is eternal. God didn't just then decide when he was talking to Moses that he was going to set his people free. 400 years before this, he'd made the promise to the patriarchs, hadn't he? So this was a long-term protection plan that he'd set up. God knew what you were going to do a long time before you were born and he set up your protection that you needed to do it. Can I remind you that at this point in his life, Moses is 80. Okay, so he's not little, he's not young, he's getting on a bit. God hasn't finished with him. In fact, for many people think that this is when God really started with him. See, there's a hiddenness sown into the plans of God, isn't there? Many of us will experience times when it feels as though our gifts are hidden and no one really gets who we are or understands what we can bring. And for me, this is God's preparation season for us. When we say to God, I don't fit in here, he's like, yeah, I know. And I planned it that way. Because his covering for us and his plans start before time, don't they? So if some of you are feeling that, then good, because God's working on you. Fourthly, our covering is to share. There was a song in the charts a while ago, and it went, I'll give you flowers in the pouring rain. Do you know that one? I don't want flowers in the pouring rain. I want an umbrella. Do you know what I mean? If someone just kind of walked up to me and gave me flowers, I'd be like, oh, thank you so much. If I asked you to bring an umbrella today, can you just bob up now and bring your umbrellas? You see, we are rescued to be rescuers. And we're saved to be saviours. We're healed to be healers. So let me show you a little bit what I mean by that. These guys have got umbrellas and this symbolises God's protection. Can you put your umbrellas up, please, chaps? Lovely. That's great. You might need to move a little bit. Some of you have got quite big ones there. Awesome. You see, God's protection isn't just for us. And your good choices don't just impact you. Your good choices protect your children and your friends and your families and your neighbours because they start to come under your protection as well. When we have more than one Christian doing something, can you guys form a bit of a shield now? Can you bring your umbrellas down a little bit? (laughs) A shield is created and that means that other people can come under a banner with us. Right, guys, thank you very much. You can, can go and sit down. I want you to remember that image because our protection that God gives us is portable like the umbrella. We can take it to other people and we can invite them in. Next, our covering might be hidden for some time. One of my friends used to be a photographer and uh, he used to use old kind of film to make his photographs and he he did that in the dark and I really felt as I was preparing this that for some of us it feels as though we're a bit in the dark but the prob the the kind of beautiful thing about a photographer developing in the dark is that light at the wrong time ruins the picture And God knows that light at the wrong time in your life will ruin 
the picture. And so he keeps us in the dark for as long as it takes to develop something in us, to show something to us, so that when we come out into the light, other people can see what that picture is. Do you get me? And maybe this is where you're at today. You're waiting for God to use you in a particular area, but you feel a bit hidden. God knows the size of the promise that he made over your life. And there are some really big promises over some people in this room. Some of your promises are so massive. The things that God has spoken over you are so huge and sometimes it feels incredibly overwhelming. Our covering is positional as well. The Bible assures us that as soon as we receive and trust in Jesus, a banner of protection is stretched out over us. And Jesus says in John 10, we'll never be snatched out of his hand. And it was only when I read that again this week, I thought, flipping it, that means I've got to be in his hand first. Forgive me, God, for all the times that I'm not in your hand. You see, the children of Israel would remain safe if they were in the right position. Do you remember the story where the angel of death goes over the land? And the Hebrews, in order to stay safe, they had to paint the door frames, didn't they? But they had to stay in. And we get another glimpse of the covering power in the story of Rahab when she um, puts the crimson thread in the window, which is a symbol of Jesus's blood and actually also a symbol of his genealogy because she ends up being related to him. We need to notice something in these examples. Our spiritual protection depends on our correct position. God tells Moses to stop and he tells him to take off his shoes. Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That means if we don't dwell in the secret place, we're not safe. Can I get the band up? You see, an umbrella is useless in a rainstorm unless you're under it. If you're just holding it, it does jack all, does it? God said of the Hebrews, I have come down to deliver them up from the land to a good and spacious place. I don't know about you, but I want that good and spacious place in my life. And that's God's promise to us today. So what about you? Where do you stand? Do you feel a bit vulnerable to attack? Perhaps you feel a bit visible on the enemy hit list. Maybe you've been a bit vague about what you're meant to do. Can I massively encourage you to come and get some prayer today and to come under the covering of God again? Come under that umbrella it doesn't mean it's not going to rain. It just means your, your stance is ready for it. Or perhaps you are under the umbrella of God and you're, you're really excited about that. But there isn't anybody under the umbrella with you. And you're not protecting enough people. Would you like to stand with me?
let me encourage you to come and get some prayer if you would like to for the very first time today say I want to come under the covering of God what that looks like for you and let me encourage others of you as you hold your umbrellas of faith to speak out to the Lord today and say God give me that portable and wonderful protection that helps me go back to the Pharaoh in my life and demand that he set the captives free Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.